Today is all about branding. It's about creating a distinctive brand for your business that makes you stand out from the crowd and drives your company to success. It's about choosing a brand name that you can protect by law so no one else can run off with your ideas and your intellectual property. It's about how and when small businesses should think about the legal aspects of branding, intellectual property, and trademarks. Now, to unravel all of this, I'm joined by intellectual property lawyer and brand expert, Shereen Smith, who is the host of the Brand Tune podcast and the author of a new book, Brand Tune. This episode is an absolutely essential listening if you're a small business owner and you're ready to start thinking about branding your business and taking it to the next level. So the question is this, how do entrepreneurs like us who don't have an endless supply of cash, how do we leverage the best apps, virtual assistants, automation tools and systems to scale our businesses, increase our profits and have more time to do what we love to do each day? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dr. Steve Day and this is Systemize Your Success. Oh, hi, Shireen. Thanks very much indeed for joining me today. Just give us a few minutes of sort of what you do, where you've come from and and what's brought you here today. Right. Well, I'm a solicitor in the UK and have worked as an in-house lawyer at Reuters and been in an international law firm, Eversheds, before I started my own law firm, which specialises in intellectual property So I've personally focused on the legal aspects of branding for more than 15 years. So that's focused primarily on trademarks and copyright. And I've just written a new book on branding because one of the big problems with this area is that people are not trained, marketers, designers, they don't currently get trained in IP And yet it's of central relevance to brands because all the identifiers by which a brand is recognized are intellectual property, which need to be protected if you're going to be uniquely identified by a name or other identifiers. So I thought I might as well learn all about branding myself in order to be able to provide more holistic advice rather than just the law to actually be able to help people with their branding to advise them. So that's me. Fantastic. Now, I first sort of came into your world when I read Legally Branded, which is a book that you wrote how long ago now? Oh, that was in 2011 I wrote that. So I'd still say it's a massively relevant book to small Mm. business with the ideas and I'm sure that your that the new book covers a lot of a lot. We can cover exactly what your new book covers in a second, but um, I still think it's, what I got from that was a huge, huge value to me. Understanding about intellectual property IP and and thinking about things in in a way that I've never really understood or really had any exposure to before. And when you start a business, you don't think about these things. Oh. You think you think branding is a a thing about logos. Fair enough. But the idea of actually protecting your brand as a small business, as a, a yeah. tiny sort of startup, isn't something that really comes into my well, didn't come into my mind. You think that's that's for the Pepsi's and the Coca Colas or the Nikes, yeah. <laughs> but um, but you know after reading that book, I realised that actually it is something you should think about. So maybe we can just touch on that to begin with. In sure. when is the right time for a 
a small business and who's maybe just starting out or maybe a year in, they're just getting going. Now, when is the right time to actually start thinking about this stuff? Uh, well, some aspects of IP, like copyright ownership, you need to think about very early on. But as regards branding, you know, as long as you use a name that is not, um, if you use, if I may use you as an example, Please the do. name you I know where you're going with this. <laughs> isn't um, particularly a brand name. So that's an excellent way of starting to use a name like that because you can test the market, work out what your positioning should be, what you really want to be about before you then choose a name that you have to protect. That's when it gets quite expensive, you know, having to register trademarks. So if we if, if you think about me as a, as a good example, because I did the old, you know, pick a name that does what it says on the tin. Yeah. So it was the idea of, and after reading your book, I realized that's quite a common mistake to make is, so my, my, my business name, Systems and Outsourcing, is because I help people create systems and outsource their work. But what, what's wrong with that? Why, why isn't that a good name in your, in your world? Um, well, basically, in the law, distinctiveness is quite important. So the law is not going to stop other competitors from using terms that they need to use to in their business. So if they need to be able to say, we do systems and outsourcing, then that means it can't function as a trademark for someone else because they wouldn't be allowed to use it otherwise. So, you know, maybe systems and outsourcing for a fashion business could be highly distinctive because it doesn't actually say what it is the business does and therefore other traders don't need to use that term. So it's distinctive. So it's this sort of context, in what context are you using a term? And if it's describing exactly what you do, then it's not distinctive. Okay. So is that when you um, you talk about using intellectual property to distinguish your brand? Mm-hmm. Getting into what we're discussing here. Yeah, you need, then you see it can function as a trademark, which means that it's a unique identifier for your brand. Um, so distinctiveness runs throughout the law in, in all sorts of areas like colour and you know other elements that you might want to trademark or own as a brand. Okay. And so what would you say to a company like me who is in the situation that I've been going now for nearly five years. So I've got quite a lot of goodwill and branding, brand awareness, I should say, around yeah. the company name. But what if other listeners are in a similar situation? Like, mm-hmm. what, is, what would your advice be to, to myself or anyone else in this, this position? Well, because you're using a name that can't function as a trademark, you're effectively, um, instead of IP acts as a container of the brand value, so a name that can be uniquely yours is contains the value of your brand. When you're using a name that other people can use, you have a colander, if you like, instead of a container. So other competitors can use the term. And effectively, when people are looking for you, they might find other people. And therefore, you will lose business. You're not going to have all the business that might be coming to you if you 
were uniquely identified by a name that nobody else could use. So therefore, it's important to find a name that can be uniquely yours. But you can always use systems and outsourcing as a tagline. You don't need to lose it. You know, it okay. would still be there, but just not the brand name. Yeah. So sadly, I've got to got to ditch it and find something to replace it with. That's more, more as a name. Yes, yeah, yeah. but you, it can still be very much part of your business. And would you would that would in this in this situation would you need to change the the actual registered company name? Is that what we're talking about here as well? Um, you don't need to. Ideally, they should all match um, for branding purposes. It's nice if they all you know you have the same company name, domain name, and brand name. But it's not necessary because you'd be trading as un- under a brand name. So the company could stay the same. You don't need to change its name. And you don't need to change the domain name either. Okay. Yeah. And I presume the same principles apply to any products or services or anything else you want to give a name to in your business. Yeah. I mean, for a company name, it's more important to be really distinctive and different. To With a product, it's more possible to have something more descriptive. I mean, people often use their own name. What is your name? Your uh, surname, I've forgotten. Day. Day. I mean, you could use that as your brand name. I mean, most very famous businesses like Mars, I don't know, Schweppes, all these Disney, um, you know, they use the brand name of the name of the founder. So you could use your own name. Not Steve Day necessarily, but Day. Okay. Brand name. And for products, you could use something more descriptive of what the product does. You see, the other thing to be aware of is how costly it is to promote more than one name. So a lot of the big brands at the moment are losing uh, different names like Coke and turning everything into one brand, a single brand, because then you can put all your marketing budget into one name rather than having more than one name. So that's something to think about with products as well. If you use a descriptive name, then it's not trademarkable and you don't then need to create another trademark and you you can describe what the product is without needing to have a separate name. Sorry, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But no, I think it does. I think if I just try to uh, feed that back to you and see if I understood. So mm-hmm. if, if you have a distinctive business name, and mm-hmm. that's really what you put your marketing spend behind, yeah. then the products that you sell under that can just be descriptive because what you're yeah. what you're basically saying is it's the Steve Day Enterprise mm-hmm. course on systems and outsourcing. For that's example. right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you can have descriptive names like email um, management or different things. Yes, yeah, so eBay email management or. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then you've touched, uh, we, we talked um, earlier about differentiation versus distinctiveness. Oh, yeah. I know we've, we've touched this. Now. Is there anything more that you want to add about, about that, about being distinctive? Well, that's actually become a huge subject because somebody by the name of Byron Sharp um, 
he works at the Ehrenberg Bass Institute. He's a professor there, and they work with very big brands worldwide and do a lot of research. And his research is indicated in his book, How Brands Grow. He found that actually for most of the brands they looked at, people, it was distinctiveness that lasted, not differentiation. So distinctiveness is all about how you look, being recognized as you. So it's your name and all your brand identifiers. That's what people tend to remember when they think of brands. They don't actually remember how one is differentiated from another. What, what do you just 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 define what you mean by differentiated in this context? Well, differentiate is diff, being different. So think of all these fashion brands, for example. How does how is Yves Saint Laurent different from Christian Dior or different from Fendi or whatever category you look at? They're supposed to differ from each other. So. Businesses, when they create their brands, they spend a lot of energy trying to differentiate themselves so that they will be unique for a certain category of customer. They will uniquely do something. But the trouble with that is that competitors copy and the law doesn't stop copying. So if you think, oh, well, that's a good feature so-and-so's got, you add it. So, so so-and-so may have been very differentiated when they first introduced a feature, but as others copy because they think that's a good idea, they lose that differentiation. So that's really what it's about. Whereas distinctiveness, which is looking like you, having an identifiable name, being easily recognized, that tends to be what lasts and what people focus on when they think of brands they know. And is that so, just thinking again from the context of small businesses starting out thinking of this stuff, um, being distinctive, is this coming up with a fancy logo or bright colours or is, is it more than that or less than that? Well, actually being distinctive is about your identifiers. So it's having a, a name that is distinctive and unique, but also having more than just a logo, because if you just have a logo and a color, often um, that's not enough to distinguish you from from others. There's uh, in discount um, stationery, there are staples. Um, I can't remember. There's three Lyman. businesses that were. Lyman's, is it? Pardon? Yeah, there's there's three big three big ones in the UK, three isn't big there? Ones. And they were being totally confused with one another because they had they all had just a logo and yeah, um red. So one was called, I can't remember, I must um dig it out. So effectively, people were going shopping in one of the stores, and they would then bring out a discount card which belonged to another. A competitor, and they didn't realize they were not in their that shop. So that proves that color on its own is not enough as a distinguishing um, trait. And names on their own don't seem to be enough either. So ideally, you need more things 
to stand out by, if you like, maybe a font, a distinctive font, a symbol of some sort, like the Nike swoosh, maybe a character, you know, like a crocodile, even like, you know, Lacoste. If, if you stand out in these ways, it's more likely that you will be uniquely identified as you rather than confused for someone else. Yeah, because I, I can think about bringing this back sort of to our business. I mean, our logo, actually, it was meant to be a temporary thing. I spent mm. uh, hundreds, maybe more, uh, pounds on getting logos designed in the past of businesses that no longer exist. And so this time around, I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be sensible. And I spent either 5 or $10. I can't remember how much. It wasn't uh-huh. a huge amount of money. And went to Fiverr and got someone so just just knock me up a logo. It'll just do for now. Five years later, we've still got it. But if I look at the, our logo, although it's quite a nice to look at logo, and you, you know, and people say, "Oh yeah, I can see why you chose that logo." Um, mm. What they don't know is I didn't really. I just got it done. But it's mm. not very distinctive. It doesn't really stand out. And I'm sure there is hundreds of other businesses very, very similar logos. So I think is that the kind of thing you're thinking about? That if I yeah. had a, something different, a big, I know. Systems and outsourcing it could be something about cogs, although that's quite common now as well. But something that's like just a bit more um, definable as 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 unique mm. to what we do or we are who we are as a business. Yeah, essentially, not all identifiers are protectable. Color is very very difficult to protect. So if you begin using blue and somebody else comes along and uses blue, there's nothing you can do about it which is why Staples and these other two businesses were confused with one another. So colour can't be the identifier you rely on. Ideally, you should have two or three codes that really symbolise your brand. So something like a distinctive font, a symbol, you know, that would be, and some sort of other ways in which your designs would be identified. Um, And then you should be able to protect those. So if you choose symbols that you can protect straight away the minute you create them, then you can be unique for those. Like Nike swoosh would have been protectable the minute they had it designed. Whereas a colour like the turquoise Tiffany colour you need to use that colour for years and years, and even then you may not be able to get a colour trademark. Okay. And so um, thinking about, again, small businesses, limited budgets, you know, what, what's the – how can we get we start out with the, 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 the intellectual property protecting what we do when we haven't got, you know, thousands of pounds, maybe hundreds of pounds, whatever it costs, to actually go and speak to a lawyer? And is there anything that we should be thinking about or – is it too late once you let your brand out there and, and you've used the logo, but you haven't got it protected for a while? Is that too late then? Or can we do that in retrospect and, and protect things once they're in the public domain? Well, I think it's worth understanding that with brand names, that's essentially the most important identifier because everything else is identified You know, you won't think of necessarily when you think of Nike you may think of the swoosh logo, but it's the name really that you also 
associate. And that is basically a cost of business is to register a trademark for your brand name. So I would suggest not choosing a, a name until you know the business is viable. Like that, you don't have to get into all the costs of trademarking. So what you've done is fine because you've got a name that describes what you do. You're not going to be stepping on anyone's toes. Nobody's going to say you're infringing on our rights by using that name. And you've tested the business. You've got it to a certain level. So when you're ready, you should choose a name and definitely register it as a trademark immediately. I mean, I don't even reveal names that I'm interested in before I've filed a trademark. So don't stick it on Facebook and say, hey, what do you think of my new business name? Pick one of the best three and then, you know, get it out there. Yeah, you can ask around, but, you know, before you choose what you want to go with, then get it searched and register it as a trademark. So that, I would say, is absolutely essential and should be regarded as a cost of doing business because there are so many stories of people who haven't done that then being exposed to potentially thousands of pounds, either fighting a case to prove that you were first or having to rebrand because someone else has gone and registered the name that you were using. Yeah, I think that's a really useful bit of advice. And I wish that I could say that that was totally my plan from the start. And that's why I picked a very generic name to get started. I just put the name because it was, I just needed to get this done and get it out yeah. there. And I think that if I go back to my, uh, my previous business, I had one called um, Francis Brunel Limited, which is a consultant company for property. And mm. um, I spent, I can't tell you how many hours thinking about that name and coming up with it and bouncing ideas around. And um, and like at the time, I wouldn't have been able to afford to get that trademark even if I wanted to, or if mm. I knew I should. Yeah. But then the way I've done it this time seems to actually be quite a sensible route is pick yeah. a generic name, like you say, test your business, get it out there, get it profitable, then go, right, now is the time for a big rebrand. That's right. Put the money yeah. in, get the trademark, and then rebrand the whole lot and and, and start, not start from scratch, but start from, from, yeah. from this point forward as the new brand. That's right. It's not possible for every business, but if it is possible, that's the best approach, I think. I think it's such a stumbling block for so many businesses when you're getting started is what am I going to call myself? You know, mm. What am I going to call my products or what am I going to call my business? And actually, if, if, you, if you have this in the back of your mind, actually maybe picking something that isn't so close to your heart that you would hate not to be able to use it in the future um, yeah. when you're just starting out, it's not actually a bad idea. So, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, sometimes people choose something that's quite descriptive and then they get upset that somebody else is using it and don't realize that actually, you know, it's not distinctive enough as a name. So it's going to be available for everyone to use. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you um one last thing i wanted to to touch on was about branding in the 21st century so what's what's new and you know obviously this is let's talk a bit about your book what 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 is it that your book offers the the listener or the reader um about this and about what they what what it would help them with in their business well in the 21st century i guess we've got the internet which has changed everything you know the, before the internet people used to create brands and others wouldn't know what name you'd chosen, what 
colouring you were using, what um, branding you were using. But on the internet, things are out there straight away, which means you can be found out if you're infringing on somebody's rights, if you're using something that belongs to someone else. Or on the other hand, you can very quickly be copied. So, And also, it makes it very important that you should be aware of how to protect your rights, you know. So that's part of what's changed. The reason I wrote the book was that I've I've had so many clients who've actually suffered as a result of not understanding IP, you know, like choosing. There was one I'll never forget. He'd chosen a name for his business, which was similar to the market leaders, but nobody knew because it was a particularly, it wasn't a household name brand. And he had registered a domain name that was similar. And he put a lot of money into that business, a hundred thousand, and was, you know, had a fantastic brand created and was promoting the business. And then he got a cease and desist letter from the business that whose name he had effectively copied. It was just similar, but he didn't realize this. So the domain name was confiscated from him after a domain dispute, and he had to start again with a new domain. I mean, all that money he poured into getting recognition of his domain name on social media, on his website, it was just all gone. So he lost, I mean, he lost the business as a result of that. So I thought people really need to take account of IP at the same time. And if marketers and designers who come across these entrepreneurs were actually aware of IP, then they could point out to someone, well, have you had it checked out, this name? You know, so I thought I would try to raise the profile of IP in the marketing profession and try and actually get get them to include training in IP for the people who, you know, are helping businesses most. You know, and therefore, and also if you don't take account of IP at the same time when you're creating something, you don't know whether what you're creating is going to be sufficiently distinctive. So there was um, Cheerios tried to register the color yellow uh, for its trademark. They'd been using it for 45 years, but were unable to because Cheerios, uh, yellow was an industry color. Now, if somebody, if their marketers understood this, they could have told them ages ago to make some changes to their branding so they weren't actually using an industry color, thinking they were being distinctive. You know, because that's not distinctive, again, you know, competitors need to be able to use whatever it is that's the norm in the industry. And yellow was the norm in that industry, just as white is the norm for milk. You know, somebody can't go and trademark white, you know, for milk. So understanding IP at the same time as you create a brand or you try to develop its, this is really big brands who can afford to register trademark colors 
But, you know, they need to understand this quite early on so they can have the right strategy and choose the right colorings, which is about being different. So instead of focusing so much on how can we be different to our competitors in terms of the products we offer, the services we do, designers should be looking at what colors are they using, what branding are they using, how can we actually stand out visually, because distinctiveness is what you can protect. You know, they can't copy that. You know, if you decide to have a rabbit or whatever, which um, Duracell did, then that's very distinctive and your competitors can't copy. But actually their trademark lapsed. They allowed their trademark to lapse and Energizer then went and started using a pink rabbit. So, you know, they lost that opportunity. So this is what I mean about being distinctive. If you choose something like a rabbit and you trademark it, then nobody else in your among your competitors can also choose a rabbit if you've trademarked it in wherever you've trademarked it. That's the other complication with trademarks is that it's territorial. So you have to focus on your home market and any other countries that are particularly significant to your brand. Brilliant advice. So uh, if, say, for example, I think with the internet now that the global market is more important than ever, and we may think, oh, we're just going to sell things in the UK if we're based here, or even though I live in Sweden now, but um, a lot of my clients are, but I'm actually seeing, you know, with the podcast now and with um, uh, just the fact that we're actually doing um, YouTube ads and Facebook ads that, that we're, we're actually getting clients from all over the world. And I've actually had clients from uh, New Zealand and I've got one from France and from Dubai. So with regards to patenting or uh, sorry, uh, trademarking things, yeah. Sorry, trademarking yeah. things globally. Is it a case of you, you know, you've just got to pick country by country, or is there a, a global yeah. way of doing it, or how does it work? Well, you see, for this for this book, I I decided so called, I've got a podcast. Brand tuned, by the way, just to make yeah. sure. Yeah, I've got a podcast, and I'm also going to introduce products, and so I knew that I needed to protect it in the USA because. Podcasts are effectively Apple, aren't they? Or um, so I thought. I don't want somebody else in the USA beginning to use Brandtuned, and then writing to Apple or someone and saying this person's using my podcast name. So I decided I would trademark it in the states and also for my online courses because the states is so important. But I mean, I'm going to have business from all over the world. And it depends really which countries become very significant as to where else I will register the trademark. But I've registered that in the UK, EU and USA, and it costs several thousand pounds. And I didn't have to pay legal fees. That's just the official fees. So it's, it's not cheap, which is why I recommend not going into you know, brand names until you know you've got a viable business and or you realise you might have to rebrand if somebody else starts using that name and you haven't protected it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So circling back to the 
mm. scenario had earlier, which I think is um, sounds to be very, very sensible advice. Mm. Is there anything else you wanted to, to touch on or talk about before we finish, Irene? No, I, I think basically trademarks really raise very difficult questions for small business owners. Um, you know, at the moment, a lot of them muddle through. It's just the unlucky ones. Maybe it's just a tiny percentage who who find that somebody else begins using the name and they they can't fight back. So I guess, you know, you have to decide whether to take the risk and what the risks are. Um, but I would say in your home market, definitely try to protect yourself and then don't worry about international considerations unless you've got a more substantial business. Okay, fabulous. Um, I just wanted to ask you, I have some uh, questions which I last like to ask everybody. So um, it's going to put you on the spot here. So don't, right. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry if uh, you can't think of any answers off the, off the top of your head, but uh, I always like to do this. So um, it's, our podcast is all about small business, but it's also about technology and apps. And I always like to know, are there any apps or plugins or, or um, software tools that you use that you couldn't live without? What would they be? Um, well, I really like Scannable. You know, before that, I would try to take photographs of documents that I wanted to send to my bookkeeper or whatever. So it's great to have as an app. Um, what other apps? Yeah, I mean, I, all the usual Spotify and things. I assume you don't call them apps. Well, um, yeah, I guess it, it, Audible is, a, yeah. is, is an app that I could not live without. I do. Which? Audible. Audible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, going 90, out for 90, walk- Exactly. 99% of my reading is done by Audible now. So, is it? Yeah. Really? Oh. I don't remember the last time I, I read a book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's brilliant. It's opened up books to a whole market of people who would never have read as much, I think, Audible. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, it's a slightly side topic, but um, I do a lot of running and uh, and therefore I've got a perfect opportunity to, to digest huge amounts of content. If I go on a four-hour run, I can do a whole book and double yeah. speed. And, but where I'd find four hours to, to fit into my day with family and business and other hobbies this wouldn't happen yeah. so what about podcasts i love listening yeah. to podcasts as well so it makes going out for a walk a real treat you know? yeah no i totally agree um yeah okay um who else do you think would be a great guest for systemize your success podcast oh the system that's i don't know <laughs> Uh, let's see if it's for small businesses who um let me think of guests i oh i know actually chet um morjara okay. i um he has written a book on values what um know what you're worth i can't remember the title but it, he's a very good guest and it's all about understanding your values because if you know your values you can ensure that you know you recruit the right employees and so on and he's fantastic as a guest so if you want to interview him I can yeah. recommend him I can put you in touch oh I'd love to uh, it's something that I am hugely interested in but uh, the fact we, we one of the things we 
train people about when they're doing recruitment is about understanding your company values mm-hmm. be able to get people you can you can train people to do anything but you can't change their value set yeah so understanding that so yeah no i'd love to have this, uh, okay. a chat with you that'd be absolutely great mm-hmm. um the title of this podcast as you might know is systemize your success but what does success mean to you success means getting lift off for your idea being able to get it off the ground um, to whichever level you decide is important for you. Some people want to have an exit and sell their business for lots of money. Other people just want a lifestyle business. But whatever you want, I think, as long as you achieve the liftoff to get there, that's success. Great answer. And very finally, do you believe you can systemize your success and why? Do I believe you can systemize systemize your success? Well, I think it's essential to systemize um, aspects of your success, of your business, so that especially if you've got ambitions to sell a business, you need to be out of the business for the business to run without you at least, you know, to be able to be out of the business three, four days a week and have the business running. So if that's what you mean by systemizing, yeah, I think it's possible and it's necessary to. It also gives you a better quality of life if you are, um, even if you want to be a lifestyle business, it gives you more time. Yeah. Good answer. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much indeed, Shireen. Just before we go, if people want to get in contact with you, if they want to find out about your new book, how can they do that? Um, well, I've got info at brandtuned.com this is for this book. Um, I've got a score app, which we're, is about to go live. So if somebody wants to be the go-to brand, they can take the test and see what they need to do in order to improve their business and brand. So I can send you the link for the show notes. Yes, definitely. We'll put that in the show notes if anyone's interested. And of course, I'm on all the social media platforms. So Branding yourself brilliantly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you very much, Shireen. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've I've learned so much. And uh, yeah, I hope this has been massive value to our audience. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to this episode. I'm well aware there are hundreds of great business podcasts out there and you chose to listen to this one. And for that, I am truly grateful. Hopefully what you heard today took you one step closer to building a successful business so you can share your passion with the world and serve an ever-growing number of people. If you got value out of today's episode, then so will someone else you know. By sharing with others what has helped you along your way, you will grow your influence and be the guy or girl that everybody wants to know. So please hit the share button right now and also remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. It's impossible for me to cover absolutely everything in these podcasts. So please do head over to systemizeyoursuccess.com right now and download the show notes, transcriptions, and some of my best frameworks and systems for free. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of this amazing community. Until next time, this is Dr. Steve Day and you've been listening to Systemize Your Success. Your Success.